Hello, and welcome to the Nutrition and Life Podcast. This is where we look at various nutrition and fitness-related topics through the lens of application. We want to give you practical takeaways so that you can create your healthiest, best self backed by knowledge. Now, on to the episode with your host, Coach Lisa. Hello, and welcome back to the Nutrition and Life Podcast. My name is Lisa. I'm your host, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Ellie Cass from Ellie Cass Health, who specializes in helping uh, women mostly with their metabolisms, optimizing their health through mindset shifts and sustainable nutrition. Ellie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Lisa. I would love for you to simply introduce yourself and your philosophy briefly on here if uh, people haven't heard of you before. Absolutely. So my name is Ellie Cass. I'm a functional health and nutrition coach and certified personal trainer. My philosophy, that is a great, I've never had someone ask me to kind of like sum it down, but uh, my <laughs> philosophy when it comes to anything health and fitness related um, is always a health first approach. I'm a very big believer in using health and, and fitness and nutrition and all of these tools to really make our life better. So even if somebody has a weight loss goal or body composition goal and they, you know, want to be more confident in their bikini, that's all great. But like, let's focus on how we can make you feel your absolute best so that you just radiate your best self into every single area of your life. Um, I'm a big believer in treating or working with someone rather um, in a very holistic sense. So, you know, addressing all aspects of their health, addressing their mindset, addressing mm -hmm. what's going on psychologically, addressing what's going on in their external world, because all of those things intertwine and they do affect, you know, someone's ability to make changes. So that's kind of my philosophy when I'm working with women. I love it. Well, considering that you haven't um, been asked to summarize it this way, that was a <laughs> very brief con con condensed version. I love it. Um, specifically also the holistic viewpoint, because um, I totally agree if we don't address the whole situation, the whole body and mind and soul, uh, it's not going to be a sustainable uh, result anyway. Um, and that actually brings me to my first question, because I saw something on your website and on Instagram, simply talking about limiting beliefs. And I'm someone who can get into like all kinds of roots when it comes to limiting beliefs as well, because we all have them and we all have to or should work through them. Unfortunately, many people aren't even aware of them or are afraid of the work that it takes to work through those. But I would love to know from you, particularly when it comes to limiting beliefs around weight loss, how they can, well, A, hold us back, pull us back potentially again, if we have made um, advance or have advanced towards our goals before. Uh, and also, of course, how to overcome them if it was so simple. <laughs> That's a great question. Let's, so let's dive into that. So limiting beliefs, especially around weight loss, like how does that hold us back? When I'm working with women, I see it kind of hold them back and I've experienced this myself, um, but I see it hold people back in a variety of ways. So, you know, the first one, a lot of people have this belief, like I've tried everything or I've always been this way or, you know, X, Y, Z runs in my family. So it's inevitable for me. I've heard that one a million times. I mean, I even had a client once who had a limiting belief around like, she thought that her rib cage was too wide for her to like attain a certain fit physique. And like, I actually measured my rib cage against hers. And I was like, girl, we are the same. Like, and so, you know, there are so many different limiting beliefs that are out there, whether that was, you know, adopted in childhood, whether it was some, you know, somebody like 
you saw your mother dieting or you saw somebody doing something growing up or someone told you that, you know, you weren't good enough or you were too big or you shouldn't eat so much. Like I was, I've always been a big eater because I was an athlete growing up. And Mm -hmm. I had many people comment on that when I was a kid, a lot of times, you know, people in my peer group, um, but I was active. And so I was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to eat and I don't really care. Um, but you know, (laughs) things like that can form limiting beliefs later in life that we're not even really aware of that are driving our decisions, our habits. And I think you said it beautifully um, when you said that a lot of people aren't even aware of that because having awareness is the first first step of anything um, that we want to change. So when it comes to limiting beliefs, I see it holding women back um, first and foremost by kind of undercutting their belief in themselves about what they can achieve and what they can create. So for instance, if I have a limiting belief that I can't achieve my weight loss goal, because of whatever reason, um, that's not, you know, so relevant, but the fact is that the limiting belief is there. I'm less likely to buy into the things that I need to do in order to get me to that goal. And I'm less likely to actually feel empowered in executing those things on a day-to-day basis. So, um, oftentimes limiting beliefs will lead us to, you know, self-sabotage and they'll, they'll lead us to, because again, our ego is trying to protect us, right? So when we have these beliefs, we want to prove ourselves right subconsciously, mm-hmm. even when at a conscious level, we might say like, why do I always do this? I really want to change. So oftentimes that leads us to self-sabotaging behaviors, especially once we start to see progress and we start to, um, you know, see those changes. It's like, whoa, this is new territory. This isn't safe. This doesn't, isn't congruent with my belief, even though consciously this is what I want. Um, and so that kind of leads to difficulty maintaining those results and continuing to sustain, you know, a healthier, more conducive lifestyle for whatever a client's goal is. On the flip side of that, um, we also know through various research in mind-body medicine, anytime that we have a thought or a belief, we have a corresponding physiological effect. So mm-hmm. if I have um, a limiting belief, let's say that I'm not worthy of achieving a certain weight or something that's very disempowering or you know negative, for lack of a better word, I'm creating a physiological response, and that's likely not going to be a very good response in my body. So um, a really great example is like, you know, when you feel really happy and really joyful about something in your life, like you can get really poor sleep. Like you can be really tired, but you just are like, you know, you feel so great still. Like you're like riding high on this energy um, because that emotion is translating into that experience in your body. Vice versa, you can be doing all the right things with your health, your nutrition, um, lifestyle, all of that. But if you are sad, if you have a lot of grief, if you have anger, any of those kind of negative emotions and that can be toward yourself as well. Um, you know, you might feel tired. You might not feel like your best self, even when you're doing all the other things, right? So when I'm working with clients and when we're looking at beliefs, I like to look at it both from the perspective of how is this actually affecting our ability to show up and create the things that we need to create to get you to our goal. And then how are we also impacting ourselves on a physiological cellular level, by having these thoughts, beliefs, and emotions. Oh, wow. So many gems in there. I absolutely, (laughs) I absolutely love it. And that connection between mind and the physiological response is so often underestimated. I think the place where it 
shows up the most often or most apparent sometimes is um, digestion. The amount of people who are constipated because they are simply stressed is just ridiculous. And then you go through all these elimination things and whatever. And it, at the end, it's like, oh, on my vacation, I was able to go so regularly. Yes. That's amazing. Even though I ate crap and a lot and whatever. And you're like, uh, yes, it was probably because you're relaxed. <laughs> yes, 100%. I can speak to my own experience with that exact example. Like on a weekday when I know I have to see clients or I have meetings or I have these things I need to do. If I don't give myself like 20 to 30 minutes in the morning to just like sit with my coffee quietly, read a book. Like if I immediately jump into go, 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 like my digestion and my ability to, you know, eliminate and produce bowel movements is very different than when I just give myself the space to like sit and just breathe and like integrate into the day. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's a very, very common thing. And I, you know, I experienced that with myself too. Yeah. I, I, I think it, it just reminded me of placebo in general and how placebo is like actually is so real. And we always think oh, of like, Oh, it's just a placebo drug or whatever, but no, no, no. If someone believes something will work for them or will not work for them, it will or will not work for them. So even when it comes to, you know, high carb or low carb diets and you're like terrified of carbs and you say, oh, fat carbs always make me fat. And you're like, well, if you believe that, <laughs> you yeah. know, like that's that's some something where I sometimes have to or want to dock onto with clients if they have a, a belief of a certain food or a certain instance. And it might just be very slow hand holding and baby steps towards mm -hmm. them believing, oh, okay, I just, ate like a little bit of a rice cracker and I'm still the same weight I didn't explode overnight sort of thing <laughs> and then maybe we can advance that towards uh, different kind of carbs and in the end then they might realize wow I feel so much better with carbs why was I buying into this crap all this time right I love that absolutely the placebo effect is real and like I will get clients or and people just in general friends every now and then that are like you know, do you really think that works or is it a placebo? And my answer is typically like, I don't really care as long as it's producing the desired result. Like it doesn't really matter because your belief oftentimes is just as powerful, if not more powerful than whatever, you know, result that a, a single compound is going to produce for you. So hundred percent. So when it comes to shifting those, um, limiting beliefs, but also really like essentially, I guess, creating a whole new identity for ourselves if we want to make weight loss sustainable, um, what would be your, what are your main recommendations or pointers that you, that you address with your clients? Yeah. So the first thing is always obviously, you know, becoming aware of whatever that limiting, limiting belief is or beliefs in general, because what we're not aware of, we can't change. Um, so I, I oftentimes get clients who come to me and they already have a pretty decent level of awareness. And typically we can just kind of dig in, you know, through the coaching relationship, through asking good questions and just exploring in a conversation. And, um, you know, every now and then they'll kind of have those light bulb moments, but helping bring that awareness to the surface. And then I don't, I I'm a very gentle, like my approach is very gentle with people. So sometimes I just, once we get to that awareness stage, I just kind of let someone sit in that and just kind of, mm -hmm. you know, explore it and, and see where they go with it. Um, for me personally, when it has come to my own limiting beliefs um, and shifting my identity, I've had to be really intentional about um, figuring out, okay, who do I want to be? Right. And, and one thing to note too, is like, it's not that you're, you know, you're not okay or good enough the way that you are. It's like, how can we make you the next level version of yourself? So oh, when I, I like, talk to, yeah, because I feel like there's like that dichotomy of like, well, 
you know, I don't want to like leave myself behind, but it's, and you're not, you're just becoming, you know, more of who you're meant to be. So I kind of like to infuse that with clients as well, because I think it makes that transition from like who we are now into who that ideal self is a little bit easier and a little bit more empowering. And it takes away the guilt as well, because otherwise you put yourself down and you're like, oh, why didn't I achieve that earlier? Or I'm so quote unquote bad for doing this or whatever. I like that a lot. Yeah, a hundred percent. So for me, like sometimes I will have clients write down, you know, what does that person look like? Like if you were to say, if you were already the person who, you know, achieved your weight loss goal or who was achieving whatever it is that you're setting out to achieve, what like write down, like, I am the kind of person who, you know, blank, mm-hmm. like if right now you're the kind of person who doesn't go to bed until 1am, you know, puts everybody else's needs first, doesn't have boundaries, you know, maybe we're shifting into the kind of person who prioritizes sleep as a non-negotiable, who sets boundaries. Um, and so just figuring out like, where is that gap and how can we start shifting that identity? Um, affirmations have been really helpful for me in my journey. However, I do think that like, we still have to work at the unconscious level on that belief. So the affirmations also work and that kind of like, you know, goes hand in hand. Um, so a lot of times for me and my experience and clients with affirmations, like at first it feels silly. At first you don't believe it. You start to kind of gradually, you're like, okay, like I'm, I'm getting used to hearing myself say this. And I think once you kind of get used to that repetition, that's when it really starts to sink in. And so it takes some time. Um, but that's been super helpful for me as well. Absolutely. Um, What I find challenging sometimes when it comes to shifting the identity is that um, we're not just people in a bubble. We are people that live with other people around us. And um, sometimes we want to please these other people. Other times they try to pull us back. And um, while you say like just sitting with the awareness sometimes is is awesome, but I think I think that resistance part is sometimes the hardest when you either have to leave people behind or even um, consciously push them away uh, just so you can pursue your path, particularly if you're a people pleaser like many women are, um, then it's just even harder. Absolutely. I think that's a great point too, because I think that is really part of the journey for most people. I know it has been for me, Um, you know, really being intentional about who you're surrounding yourself with. And that can be difficult because sometimes it means like pulling away from family or pulling away from people who have been your friends for a long time. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, I think, I know we're going to talk about self-love in a second, but I think that kind of ties into that as well is, is, you know, you, you have to do what's best for you. Like it's your life. And I tell clients this all the time, like you're the one that has to answer in 20, 30, 40, 50 years. When you look back on your life, like you're the one who has to say like, yes, I am satisfied. I am happy mm-hmm. with where I went, what I accomplished, you know, who I was like, no, nobody else can answer that for you. So stop making those people such a big factor in your decision on, you know, who you're going to become, what you're going to do. Um, so kind of having that realization that it's, it's us, it's our life. And we have to be intentional about what we're surrounding it with. Absolutely. And I do think that sometimes we overestimate the impact of a small moment and 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 underestimate what the long term can do so what I mean by that is if someone offers you a second helping or third helping of food or whatever and they're like oh come on or come on just drink some more Uh, you're such a party pooper or you used to drink more or whatever and then saying no in that moment is uncomfortable but those people are going to move on in you know 
probably two minutes, maybe two hours, who, who cares, but tomorrow they will have forgotten about it. Whereas you're going to be the one who's suffering from that third drink and the next day and the day after, and probably regretting it on a long-term basis if you continue to do that. Um, so I think sometimes just like pulling away and being like, okay, what's the bigger picture here? Is this really a big deal? If I say no, most of the time it's not. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's a great way to put it because we, yeah, we're the ones that have to deal with the repercussion afterward. And I have a really good friend who he loves quotes and he, his favorite quote, and he says it all the time, which so is always in my head. It's um, something like you care much less about what people think of you when you realize how little they actually do think of, of you or think about you. And it really is. It's like that, like, are your friends really going to be thinking tomorrow? Like, oh my God, I can't believe she didn't have that second or third drink. Like, <laughs> No, they're like, they've moved on and they're focused on whatever crazy stuff is going on in their own life. And so, you know, it's like, yeah, oh, that's a, that's such a good point. Absolutely. And yes, you said we, that we, we wanted to talk about um self-love or body positivity in particular. That was the topic that I had noted down and it came to mind because I think people take that too far as well. Like I'm all someone for self-love and for um, you know, loving your body where it is. But as you said, still looking at that version of you that you could be healthier and more vital and just uh, that higher version of yourself. Um, so I think it's 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 tricky that movement that has gotten out there is like, okay, you're 200 pound as a five foot female. That's all good. Just love yourself. Just stay where you are. Is that really the right approach? I don't know. I mean, what's, yeah, what's your take on all of this? That's a great question. Yes. So I, I'm basically same line of thinking as you. I think that especially when it comes to things like weight loss or, um, you know, looking at aesthetic or how someone looks or appears and what your goal is around that. Like I always ask clients, like, what is your intention behind this? Like, is your intention because you want to have more energy, you want to be healthier. Um, you want to be more vibrant in your life Then great. Is it because you think that looking a certain way is going to make a guy or a person or someone else like you more, or, you know, you're going to be more worthy of love because if that's the case, then that's what we need to work on. Not necessarily, you know, vice versa. So I think that for people to know that like you are worthy, regardless of what your shape is, what your size is, what you've done in life, um, you're still worthy. And mm -hmm. yes, it's a hundred percent feasible and we should love ourselves regardless because, you know, if we can't love ourselves really who can, but I think what people miss is it is they're like, Oh, great. I love myself. Cool. Like, I'm just going to continue going on this same unhealthy path or, you know, continuing with these same destructive behaviors. And what I think people overlook is that sometimes self-love is doing the hard thing. Sometimes it's having the discipline to make a good choice with your food or to get up and go work out or to say no to something like self-love as good as it sounds. It's not about going to get your nails done. It's not about, you know, getting a massage or having a bubble bath. Like those are all great things if that makes you feel better but like what self-love really is is being able to call yourself out on your own bs be realistic with yourself about where you're letting yourself down and you know having the the courage and um you know the ability to either do it yourself or, or seek help to become the person that you feel that you should be and i think that's where a lot of people um, confuse like self-love with instant gratification, as opposed to taking the path that's actually going to get them to where they want to be so they can feel like their best self. Um, and so I think, yeah, that's kind of where 
I find the disconnect to be is like, we do live in such an instant gratification world and it is so much easier and so much more fun to say like, yeah, okay, I'll start tomorrow. I'll go out tonight and have drinks and eat whatever and just party it up and get terrible sleep and I'll just deal with it tomorrow. Um, because you know, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm great. I love myself. Everything's good. But like the reality is, is like, you know, the answer might be not to do those things. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, and, and that's exactly it. The answer might be, I think the, the difficulty in all these body positivity statements is that people tend to take things too far. We have the super busy woman that never uh, looks after herself, doesn't even take, you know, 10 minutes of a brief break just for herself. She All she lives for is her job, her family, blah, 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 blah. She needs to hear that more. She needs to be like you know, get your nails done and have some chocolate type of thing. Whereas other people that you know, they struggle to get their butts off the couch and um, work out once a month, if that, and then, you know, th- that sort of stuff, like, well, come on, you could be doing so much more. Like I can, I can see your high potential. And actually, I can see you're not 100% happy with where you're at, even though you might use that as a bit of a blanket form and like, oh, it's all good self-love, you know, we're all beautiful at all sizes. And yes, yes, yes. But um, are you really, really happy, though, that you get incredibly out of breath just walking up two flights of stairs or that you can't play with your granddaughter because you can't even bend down properly or all these kinds of things? Like, let's just be honest with ourselves. Are you really happy? That's, I think, in my opinion, the question it should all should come down to, are you really happy? And with happy, I don't mean like that on a cloud uh, sort of floating 24-7 because that's unrealistic, but are you like fulfill, fulfilled and content with your life? Because I think neither one of these women, as you say, like looking back 30, 40 years or whatever, would be be able to say like hey I really lived my life to the fullest the one would probably say I don't even know if I lived my life because all I was doing was functioning and the other one would be saying like um, I missed out on a lot because I got sick when I was 50 and then you know all this sort of stuff so yeah I think it's a really really good point that in the end it comes down to asking yourself the the hard questions or delaying gratification in many instances Yeah. Well, you said the word honesty that like just stuck out to me because I think that self-love is just being honest with yourself. Mm -hmm. Like you said, like it looks different for different people based on where we're at, you know, different people need different things and are struggling with different things, but to be honest with yourself and also Mm -hmm. accepting yourself. Like, I think that we can have like full acceptance. Like I've really come to that in my journey where I accept who I am, even the parts that I want to change. There are parts of me that I want Mm -hmm. to change inside and out. And that's fine. I accept them though. They are very much part of who I am. And I'm grateful for that. Um, That doesn't mean that I like love them. And so I'm just going to be complacent and not work on bettering myself. And so I think for people to understand too, that you can accept who you are, you can accept your body, you can accept all of that and still desire to change it. And they don't have to be mutually exclusive. Totally. Um, this is going to be a little bit backwards. I probably should have asked this uh, at first, but how did you get into the health and fitness space? Like just talking about, you know, like things about yourself that you do wish you could have changed potentially. Yeah, yeah no, that's, I think this is actually a good segue. I've never had someone ask me at the end, but um, so I was an athlete growing up. So physical fitness is always a very, like very big part of my life. I played college basketball for a couple months and decided it was no longer for me. So I quit and quickly learned that I had a very unhealthy lifestyle. Like many kids at university, I drank a ton of alcohol. I ate terribly. I was not getting sleep. Um, and I really just physically, I blew up. Like I 
look back at pictures. I was the heaviest I'd ever been in my life. Um, I just looked so inflamed and so unhealthy and I did not feel good. Not just, you know, I'd had low confidence at that point and, you know, my, my appearance, but I also just didn't feel good. I was tired all the time. Um, you know, that's when I really started my habit of drinking coffee, <laughs> which turns out I love. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just, I wasn't happy. And I, I remember thinking like, I am way too young to feel this way. Like I was 21 at the time. Um, fast forward right after I graduated, my mother was diagnosed with stage three brain cancer. And so I became her primary caregiver and she only unfortunately lived for nine months after that. And I was with her until the end, but I saw the the gaps in our Western medicine society about how no one with her was talking about nutrition. No one was talking about lifestyle. No one was talking about stress management. Um, exercise obviously was like non-existent in those conversations too. And so I was simultaneously not feeling very great myself and also just kind of witnessing like this gap that I didn't even realize was there until I was in it with her. And so part of my kind of coping mechanism of losing her so young, it was a very sudden diagnosis. Like she was very, you know, we thought she was very healthy um, outwardly. And so, you know, I was asking the doctors, why, why does someone get diagnosed with this? What causes this? And of course they, they're like, we don't know, <laughs> we have no answers. And so part of my coping mechanism was just starting to do research. So I started researching just the question, like what makes someone truly healthy? And I fell down, you know, the rabbit hole of nutrition, um, environmental toxins, how thoughts, beliefs, and, and past traumas affect our health. It just all of these things. And I, the more I learned, the angrier I became at the fact that no one was having these conversations with us when she was going through her treatment. And so that kind of fueled my passion for health and fitness. And then after she passed away, I found myself, you know, still very tired, still overweight, still very depressed. And I hired my first health and fitness coach and she talked me into competing in bodybuilding. And I was like, this sounds horrible, but I <laughs> really, I was like, this is not, I would never want to do this, but I just decided to go for it. Cause I was like, I'm not really doing anything else right now. And I, I don't want the fear to kind of control me. So I did that and I did it for a year and a half and I loved it at the time. It really served me at that point in my life, but then I got to see the, you know, the whole other side where we're hyper obsessed with our, our physique. We're hyper obsessed with what we eat. It's like affects every single facet of our life. And so after about a year and a half, I was like, oh, like I felt great. I looked great, but I was like, my mindset was not healthy. I was like, oh, this isn't it either. <laughs> so I was like, all right, um, I want to help women. I want to, you know, show women what it's like to be healthy. So I need to kind of shift where I'm at. And then I, I really pivoted my focus focus to my professional career and, and helping women in this industry. Oh, I love that. I love how you turned the, the things that happen in your life just toward serving others. Um, the story with your mom, it automatically um, a, another name popped into my head. Um, Max Lugavere. Have you heard of yes, him? In I the follow him on Instagram. Yeah. yeah, it's just, um, I mean, similar or some things that he always says is like how his mother who was diagnosed, I think with Alzheimer's or dementia or both, I don't, don't know, um, how she was treated and what advice she was given it just it shocked him and it caused him to just dig 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 into like okay how can we do this in a different way clearly there's something about the lifestyles from you know the the 80s 70s etc that was not conducive such as the vegetable oils and the cereals and super high mm -hmm. sugar and whatever diets and just how we can yeah like you say use a healthy lifestyle and nutrition 
um, to really make sure we're we're doing our very best at least to prevent any kind of brain diseases. But thank you so much for sharing that. Um, and in in regards to the bodybuilding, I'm super <laughs> interested in that too. Um, just because, of course, uh, as you say, like it takes it goes from one extreme to the other. But I believe that what it gave you in that instance was probably a sense of control, which I think sometimes is what we're looking for if there's if it seems like there are no answers and it's just like a wide at least there you have like okay here's your meals here's your training you do this and this is your outcome and it seems like really black and white or like I guess easy in that sense oh absolutely I I have people all the time that were like god that must have been so hard and it was like no when I was in it when I was really in that mode it was easy it was it's like getting back into it if I were to do that that's the hard part but no it's like once you're in that lane and that's all you're focusing on it's really not that hard to do (laughs) well I'm super impressed um I'm curious if you have maybe a two three like tips or, or, or takeaways that people, uh, I mean, you've already given so many good nuggets, but <laughs> maybe like, you know, eat, eat this and that vegetable or, or whatever it might be like two, three applicable tips that people can walk away with today. Yeah. That's good. I'm like, Oh no, I gave all my secrets away. No. Um, <laughs> let's see. I think, yeah. So I'll, I'll try to give three, one, um, make time for the things that make you happy. So make time to experience joy. I know in my own personal journey, like you can't out diet, you can't out exercise, you can't out supplement not being happy. Um, so happiness first and foremost. And and sometimes that kind of comes as a result of, you know, shifting your, your health and your fitness and all of those priorities. But if there's something that you really love to do, make time to do it. So that's my first tip. Um, second tip, don't underestimate the power of stress and what that can do for you, not just, you know, physiologically, but psychologically as well. Um, and that can be, you know, external stress, you know, financial stress, relationship stress. Um, and also I I always encourage clients to really audit, like how much of the stress is really self-imposed? Like, I think Mm -hmm. oftentimes we create these kind of emergencies or this sense of urgency because we feel that we have to show up in a certain capacity or we have to perform at 110%, especially for women um, who've kind of historically had to prove themselves in the workplace or in life to show that, hey, like we're capable and we can do just as much as everybody else can. And so like where where are you really experiencing the stress and where are you just making it harder for yourself And can we, you know, maybe cut back on that (laughs) because that is going to have an effect at some point if it's not already. Um, So that would be my number two point. And then number three. They were, they were already amazing. So if you can't think of anything on the spot, that's absolutely fine. (laughs) I think just going back to the self-awareness thing, um, Mm -hmm. learning to be uncomfortable, exploring those parts of yourself. And, you know, if you aren't, or you need help work with a coach or, you know, work, I've sent clients to therapy when I'm like, when I feel like it's stepping a little bit outside of my realm. Um, and that's okay. So, you know, self-awareness is like the greatest gift (laughs) and it can be a little scary to uncover what's under there if you've never really explored that but that's how you can get better that's how you can change whatever it is that's really not serving you um and so not being afraid to do that and if you are afraid that's totally cool seek help from someone who can kind of guide you safely into that realm that's amazing. Thank you so, so much, Ellie. Um, if you would like to let people know where they can find you, I'll put all your handles and stuff in the show notes as well, but that would be amazing. 
Yes, absolutely. So I'm most active currently on Instagram. My handle is at AllieCassHealth. And then you can also visit my website, www.AllieCassHealth.com. And you can read a little bit more about me, my program. Um, if you'd like to chat, I would love to connect. Amazing. Thank you for your time. And I hope you have a nice rest of your day. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, or share the episode on social. Very much appreciated. You can also follow us on Instagram at Nutrition Coaching and Life or head to our website, www.nutritioncoachingandlife.com, where we provide more valuable content. Have a wonderful day. Now go out and work on your best self.